Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me. So good to see you this morning. I uh, have a very difficult subject to talk about. Marriage. You know, I said that in the first service, and I don't think any of those folks had ever watched The Princess Bride, but uh, anyway, you, you get it. And it is difficult because, you know, when you're having two people try to come together to make a life, it's not always easy, is it? You know, Pastor Matt started off uh, last week, wow, the vows, and I, I think that maybe all of us could use a little tweaking. How, how many of you know, hey, don't raise your hand, okay, don't raise your hand. How many of you know your marriage could probably be better? Okay, I'll raise mine, and Carrie probably raised hers. Let, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. We love you. We praise you. We believe your word. We believe your word is truth, and Lord, let it come forth to our ears and our heart and our spirit. Lord, to obey, to lead, to guide us, we ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. When Jesus is trying to convey what the kingdom of God is like, this is his response. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. So the kingdom is like a marriage. And the marriage should reflect the kingdom. So, good question, does your marriage reflect the kingdom of God? Well, sometimes it reflects hell. But the purpose is to reflect the kingdom of God. So that's the, that's the goal, that's the objective. And so when he says, what's the kingdom of God like, he refers it to a marriage. And we know that the Messiah is going to have a bride. And certainly, the church is the bride of Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? So it's, it's, you know, tr trying to traverse some rocky ground, even some landmines in our life, and, and certainly God helps us to do that. So I heard this some time ago, and um, I don't know if this is true, probably not, but they said up in the Northeast they have a husband store now. And if you're a woman looking for a husband, you go to the husband store. And the rules were that you can go and select a husband but once you make that selection, you have to exit the building. There are six floors, and you can go through the floors, but at that selection, you know, the deal's off. You, you can't go back in. On the first floor, the husbands that are there to be selected by a potential wife, uh, the could-be husbands, the first floor, all of them have jobs. How many of you that's good? Matter of fact, Adam had a job before Eve came along. And so the ladies come there, they're looking for a husband, and they are told that all these men here that you could select has a job. Good. So they go up to the second floor, and those men, not only do they have a job, but they love kids. They love children. And the ladies are saying, that's good. He has a job. He loves kids, so this is a real good thing. And they go to the third floor, and on the third floor, they're told all these men have a job, they love kids, and they like to do housework. Yeah, that gets a wow from the ladies. 
I mean, these guys are very domestic. They know how to do handiwork. They're handyman. They like to do housework, so they have a job. They love kids. They like to do housework, and then they go to the fourth floor, and they're told, now, all these guys, they have a job. They love kids. They like to do housework, and they are absolutely, stunningly beautiful. I mean, these guys are so handsome, extremely handsome. And the ladies are just swooning by now. They have a job. They love kids. They like to do housework. And they are gorgeous guys. Man, it doesn't get much better than that until you go to the fifth floor. They go to the fifth floor, and they're told now all these men, potential husbands, they have a job. They love kids. They love housework. They're absolutely stunningly handsome, and they are very romantic. You're not going to miss an anniversary. You won't get a card at Valentine's. I mean, these guys are going to wine you and dine you. They're, they're going to have you so romantic. They're going to sit on the couch, hold your hand, and watch Hallmark movies. <laughs> and the ladies are just absolutely blown away. And then they think, well, I'm going to go to the sixth floor. And at the sixth floor, they're told, ladies, there are no potential husbands on this floor. You may take the exit. You cannot come back. And just let you know, sometimes women can be just a little bit picky. So just so that we don't have an unequal position here, they, they have a wife store now. So, men, you can go to the wife's store. Same rules apply, six floors. You can make a selection, but once you do, you have to exit. And so the men go there, and there's these women here, potential wives, and they go in first floor. All these women love sports. They love basketball and football. They love hockey and baseball. They will go fishing with you. And they will go hunting with you. They'll be in the deer stand with you. And these guys are saying, wow, these women all love sports. Yeah, all kind of sports they love. Well, let's try the second floor. So they go to the second floor, and, you know, these wives here, these wives are absolutely beautiful. And they're rich. Beauty and riches. I actually jokingly told my boys this. I said, now, boys, you can, uh, you, you, you can marry a pretty rich girl as well as you can marry an ugly poor girl. <laughs> and they just look at me, Dad, I say, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. So, so these, these women, they love sports, they're beautiful, they're rich, and these guys are amazed. So they go to the third floor. And the third floor, all of these women, they love sports, they're beautiful, they're rich, and they like sex. We don't know what's on the fourth, fifth, and sixth floor because no man's ever got past that. Well, it's true. Let me tell you, your selection is a big deal. 
I, I said this in the early service. Matter of fact, I told it last week to Pastor Matt. You know when you make money on a deal, you know, real estate or anything you buy? Let me tell you where you make it on. You make it on the buying, not the selling. If you're going to have a good marriage, you make it on the selection, not five years later. Okay, I deserve a better amen than that, but I'll take whatever I can get this morning. So, you, you have to select well. So we know in Judges, this, this Old Testament book, chapter 13, we have a character that's introduced to us. He's going to be born. His name is Samson. How many of you remember Samson? And you've heard me say this. Whenever I think of Samson, I think of Sylvester Stallone. Yo, Delilah, you know. So, so this guy is to be a deliverer. He's to be a judge. And what happens in chapter 14, he goes down to a Philistine village and he's going to find a woman. It's actually recorded here, verse 1. Now Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren? Or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. She pleases me. Now, here's some other translations of that last part of the passage. She's the right one for me. She's right in my eyes. And look at Samson's language here. Verse 1, he saw a woman uh, verse 2, I have seen. It is a selection purely based on sight. How many of you know, you, you can't purely base a selection on sight. Now, that's important. I mean, we want to find someone who is shapely and muscular and beautiful or whatever the requirements may be. And, and the Bible even talks about that. You know, when Jacob went down to find a wife and you know, we, we find this young lady that we know is Rachel. The Bible actually says she was pretty shapely. Oh, go back and read it. It's in the Bible. So when you look at something purely on sight, you may make a big mistake. Now, what happens here is that his father and mother try to persuade him to think about this again. How, how many of you have ever heard of love at first sight? How many of you think you ought to take a second look? So they say, son, is there no woman among our own people? And are you going to choose a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? As a matter of fact, Paul brings this back up uh, in the New Testament. He said, a believer should marry a believer. Not someone who doesn't have the same vision, the same background. Th those Philistines, they don't worship Jehovah God. They, they don't worship Yahweh. They're, they're polytheistic. And now Samson's fixing to make a huge mistake by selecting someone purely on sight and not for the things that she, you know, she should be or what he should find in a partner or a marriage. And so we see that very closely. So when I was getting ready to do my section on wow the vows, I began to look up some things just secular. Okay, what are the experts saying about finding the right partner? So I looked at one, and the first thing that was in a secular um, advice column, if you will, is number one, looks aren't everything. How many of you know looks aren't everything? I mean, you and I have to say it can't be just by looks. Everything that glitters is not gold. <laughs> you know... Uh, 
he, he may be dashing on the outside. He may be bashing on the inside later. Or she may look like Marilyn Monroe. But inside, she's like Marilyn Manson. I mean, you know what I'm saying here. Just because somebody looks good doesn't mean they have the things that we need to have a good marriage, a good partner here. And it's just a purely sight thing. So Samson hooks up with this Philistine woman. They marry. It doesn't go well. She betrays him. He then goes to Gaza, and we hear about that in the news today. He hooks up with the prostitute. And then he finds another woman. How many of you know he's going from one woman to another woman to another woman? And the last one is going to be his undoing. And it's a woman by the name of Delilah. How many of you ever heard of Delilah? Samson and Delilah. So he is making selection after selection after selection that is purely carnal. None of Samson's choices were based on anything that would lead to a successful relationship. N none of those are. So, such as beliefs, values, foundations, communication, respect, affection, friendship, forgiveness. There's a lot more important things than just looks. Looks are part of it, but let me tell you, how many of you know you need more of a package than just looks? Can I hear an amen to that? It's so very important. You know, Samson is just a very carnal, shallow person that's anointed by God. Listen, just because we're anointed by God doesn't mean we make good decisions. And we need to make good decisions. Young people, when you're getting ready to marry, there are some things that you need to really think about, get in the Word of God. What does God say? Because I want to tell you, God is right. I mean, what has a good relationship foundation is from the Word of God. You know, I, I heard this the other day also. Someone said they were in Walgreens. You, you ever looked at that little rack that spins and it has reading glasses in it? And they were trying on those glasses. And if you ever had reading glasses, you've done this. It's like 1.5, 2.0, 2.5, get the strength. And someone, uh, as they were trying on the glasses, said, boy, it's kind of hard to pick out the right one. And they said, especially if you're trying to get it for somebody else. So what happens if you're trying to get something for somebody else? That's actually in the Bible too. It's when Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac. And this servant really takes the responsibility because Abraham is great. I mean, he's the friend of God. He's walked with God. He's blessed by God. And now I'm going to get a wife for his son Isaac. He takes this so serious. Let me read it to you. Verse number 14, chapter 24 he goes back to Mesopotamia, and this is the reason. Abraham does not want his son to marry a pagan. Abraham does not want his son to marry a Canaanite or a Hivite or a Hittite or a Perizzite or any of those ites. They're polytheistic. They sacrifice their children to their gods. And he says, do not get a wife from this area for my son. So he goes all the way back to Mesopotamia and he, he comes to a well and at the well he fleeces the Lord. How, how do you know understand you understand fleecing the Lord? This is a huge fleece. Listen. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, say that with me. And she says, drink and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one, the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown kindness to 
my master. So he says, okay, when I get there, I'm going to ask these ladies, these young ladies who come in the morning or the evening to, to get water, uh, w- w- would you give me a drink? And the one who says, let me give you a drink and I'll water all your camels too. Now, he's not just riding one camel. He has 10 camels with him. So let me shock you. Do you know how much a camel can drink? At one drink, just one drink opportunity, a camel can drink 15 to 50 gallons of water at one time. And guess who comes up? Rebecca. And he says, would you give me a drink? And Rebecca says, I'll give you a drink. And by the way, let me just... Let me just water all of your camels too. Do you know she had to draw water from a well to to pull up 150 to 500 gallons of water to water the camels? And and the servant of Abraham said, that's the one right there. That's my girl. I'm going to take her back to Isaac. And, of course, he has to get the yes from her and the family. So, Rebecca, it talks about her. She's beautiful, okay? It says she's beautiful. She's a virgin. She's modest. She's given to hospitality. And she's willing to serve. You and I need to marry somebody who's willing, what? To serve. And if you're married, you need to be, what? Serving your mate. You, you need to serve your mate. Now, now I, I want to say this, and... A lot of people don't like this. They don't believe this, but this is the Word of God. The original blueprint and purpose of marriage is found in the Word of God. I can't change it. You can't change it. If you don't like it, you take that up with God. I'm just going to preach what's in the Word of God. How many of you know that's okay? So the original blueprint in the Word of God is one man, one woman in covenant relationship. That's the Word of God. That's found in Genesis chapter 2. Matter of fact, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand clap. When Jesus talks about marriage in the New Testament, you know what he does? He refers back to the beginning. He goes all the way back to the beginning. He said, listen, this is the way marriage is designed. Culture doesn't define it. Your friend doesn't define it. Your emotions don't define it. The Word of God defines it. One man, one woman in covenant relationship In Genesis chapter 2, how many of you know God just started everything out on the foundation? This is the way it should be. Now, this is what he says in chapter 2. He said, a man shall leave his mother and father. So let's talk about the leaving. What does that mean? Well, we know later on the Bible says that we should honor our mother and father that our days may be long. It's the first commandment with promise. So it doesn't mean that you quit loving your mother and father. It doesn't mean that you abandon your mom your dad doesn't mean you don't respect them, honor them, or help them. But this is what it means. You now are going to prioritize your relationship in a different way. Yes, God's got to be first. He, he's number one. But now once you get married, your mate is now moved to a different priority slot. So you're going to leave your mother and father. So once we prioritize marriage, we have to say my mate now has a priority that I didn't have while I was single, right? So Carrie has a different priority in my life once we got married, and and I have to, you know, approach everything a little bit differently. And here's another wonderful thing sometimes. When you marry somebody, you kind of marry the whole family. 
I mean, crazy Uncle Cecil, you get him too. Now, it doesn't mean you have to hang around him. It doesn't mean you have to be with him all the time. But I'm going to tell you, crazy Uncle Cecil is probably going to show up in your life somewhere. And you get the mom and you get the dad and maybe you get brothers and sisters. So all of this is going to be just a little bit different. Not, not that they take any priority, but they just kind of come with the package. How many of you have found that out? And when you go to Christmas and reunions and birthdays, sometimes you just have to keep your ever-loving mouth shut. Because you want to say some stuff. But listen, you, you, you're not married to them, although they kind of came. The priority is your mate. And uh, that's just part of it. Now, the second thing he said, not only do you leave, but you also cleave. Say that with me. We cleave. Now, we don't use that word much, but it means like we're welded together. We're glued together. We're Velcroed together. So we, we leave and then we cleave. So now, what do we have? We, we have this one united flesh. The two shall what? Become one. And in that unity, we have friendship. We, we have a vision moving together. We have aspirations. We have goals. It's called the bond of marriage. And it's sacred. It's holy. And a lot of times when I do a marriage, I did one yesterday, and I say things like this. This is a happy day, but also it's a very holy day. Because marriage is not just in the sight of a man and a woman and friends and family. It's also in the sight of God. This is covenant relationship. I mean, this is important stuff, right? And so we leave, we cleave. It's friendship, it's goals, it's vision, it's unity, one flesh, it's a bond. We leave, we cleave, and he says, and we can be naked and not ashamed. Now, have you ever had one of those dreams where you were naked in front of everybody? Okay, five people's had that. Well, here's the thing. If any of us had to be stripped of our clothes, it would be very embarrassing, wouldn't it? It would be for me. But once you're married and you have that bond and that unity, guess what it says? Naked, not afraid. Then we have a relationship that is more than just a friend, more than just somebody we hooked up with. Now we are together. We have left. We have come together. We're naked and not ashamed. So it is the intimacy of marriage. It is the privacy of marriage. And it's the sexuality of marriage. You say, is he going to go there this morning? Oh, yeah, he is. Let me tell you why. Because sex is a gift of God. Sex wasn't Adam's idea. It wasn't Eve's idea. Matter of fact, it was God's idea because the commission was, you be fruitful and you multiply, and the only way I know you can do that is with S-E-X, sex. And some of you are looking real nervous for me right now. But, but I, I just want to say here that this is a big deal. So let's go to the New Testament. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. The writer of Hebrews says this, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So when you get sex out of where it, will, uh, where it should be, then there's judgment. But when you get sex where it is supposed to be, then there's blessing. There's fruitfulness. So let me read it again. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. So I hear people say, well, what about this? What about this? Let me just say, the bed is what? Undefiled. 
I don't care what your version is, what your thoughts are. Let me just tell you the word of God. When two people come together in a bond and they are united, a man and a woman, then the bed is what? Undefiled. But if it's outside the marriage, adultery or fornication, then there's the judgment of God that will come. Now, obviously we can repent and God will forgive us. And how many of you know there's a lot of different kinds of sins and sin is sin, but God is so gracious and so kind, he will forgive us if we mess up. And let me just say this, all of us have messed up. Like Brian Fisher says, we're all a mess trying to get better, right? And the only way we get better is we come to God and we repent of our sins and and we have this coming together of what the Word says. We get in alignment with God. Matter of fact, when Paul writes his letter to the, the church at Corinth, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the first five verses, you know what he deals with? He deals with our sexuality. He, he said, if you're going to burn in sexuality, then get married. He said, if, if that's where you're at, most of us are there, not everybody. Sometimes God gives people the grace to be single, and that's wonderful, and a lot of single people here. But he's saying, if that's where you are, then get married. And then he says that we should give affection that is due one to another. Now turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to make me nervous. And he says, do not deprive your body to your spouse. He said, because you don't own your body. You say, what? He says, both the male and the female, when you came together, then you have offered your body to each other. And he says, don't deprive your body one to another. Do you know sex is spiritual? I tell you what, I'm going to listen to this and just hear everybody's awe and ooh. But it's really true. It is absolutely true. And he says the only way that you cease doing that is when you come together for fasting and prayer. And he said if you do that, then you better get back together because if you don't, Satan will come to tempt you and get you off track because now you have desires that are unfulfilled and you could go out and you could go to a place you shouldn't go. Can I hear an amen? So where should we be fulfilled in our sexuality? In marriage. I mean, that's what the Bible says. And he says that we should do this because marriage is about meeting one another's needs. Our physical needs, our emotional needs, our sexual needs, and our spiritual needs. So those are needs that should be met. Uh, I, I want to just ask you a question. What's the most recognized verse in the world? I didn't know this. I thought I knew it. How many of you ever thought you knew something you were wrong? The most recognized verse in the world, I thought it might be John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, or maybe the 23rd Psalm. But this is what the experts say, the most recognized verse in the world, even outside of Christianity, because people practice it in other religions, this is Matthew 7, 12, do unto others as you would others do unto you. You know what that's called? The golden rule. How many of you ever heard of the golden rule? And, and even people around the world, they, they kind of know that. Well, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And, and you know, marriage is a lot like that, isn't it? 
So what, what would we do? We would do to our mate, to, to our husband, our wife, kind of what we think that we would like. Um, I, listen, I know there's a lot of things that Carrie likes I don't really care for, but I have to get in her world. And there's a lot of things that I like she doesn't care for. She has to get in my world. I, I didn't say this in the early service, but I remember one time I asked Carrie, I said, you want to go feed cows with me? And she said, yeah, I'll go. About like that. Yeah, I'll go. And it was one of those cold, cold mornings. I'm talking about it's, it's below freezing. There's ice. There's a little bit of snow. And we get in the old truck. And we go out to feed. And I said, well, do you want to get out and help me? She said, well, okay. And you know those big round bells that's got that net wrap around it? And I've got a knife and I'm cutting those things off and, and pulling that net wrap off because it's kind of stuck because it's frozen. And Carrie's over there and I, I hear her start whimpering and crying a little bit. I said, honey, what's wrong? She said, I can't feel my fingers. And I said, well, go get in the truck. She said, well... I wanted to go with you, but I didn't think you was going to make me get out and help. You know what I wanted to say? Welcome to my world. And sometimes I, I have to go into her world. You know, I haven't tried to drink a cup of coffee since I was about 19 years old. I'm not a coffee drinker. I've tried, you know, when I was in college, everybody drank coffee. So I sugared it up. I creamed it up. I fixed it up. And finally, I said, why am I drinking this? I hate it. It's horrible. But Carrie, I mean, she is an avid coffee drinker. She drinks it in the morning. She drinks it during the day. She drinks it in the evening. And, and I haven't tried to drink a cup of coffee since I was about 19. But let me tell you, honey, I can make it. I can make it. I can put that pot in there and snap that lid, push that button. I know how much cream to put in it. Why? Because she drinks it. And I can bring it in there to her and... You, can I make you a cup of coffee? Can, is something I can get you? So what, what are we doing? Well, we're serving one another. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and so just like Rebecca, who are we looking for? We're looking for somebody who's going to serve. Somebody who's going to be part of this relationship. Not a bystander, but someone who is joined in. But this is what I know about relationships. You can get crossword in a new, you can get crossways in a New York moment on one word. One word. And the word doesn't even have to be spoken. You cannot say it and be in trouble. Or you can say it and get in trouble. Man, this is where you could really amen me here. I mean, it's just, it's just part of the journey. I mean, you, you can get tripped up on just anything. Something you did, something you didn't do. And the Bible really deals with that too. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Does everybody know what clamor is? Clamor is a loud argument. No one here has ever had a loud argument. Evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Malice is intentionally trying to hurt someone. 
Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So you know what he's saying? There's so many things you can get into a relationship, even outside of marriage. You, you can get crossways on your job. You can get crossways with a friend. You can get crossways in a marriage. And this is what he says. If you have that anger, that bitterness, that clamor, that evil speaking, he says what you should do is put it away from you. Or you could carry it on, couldn't you? A lot of people have junk in their trunk. And they just keep carrying it with them. And you get upset with someone. You're offended. Someone says something. They don't do something. Whatever it is. And, and now the Lord, through his word, is saying, this is what we do. we got to put that away. Th there are things that I've done to carry over the years. That if she keeps harboring that, it's going to cause a lot of problems in our relationship. There are things that she's done that maybe I was offended or I got upset. If I keep that on the burner, if I keep that going on, that's going to that's gonna damage our relationship. Your friendship, your job, uh, the people you're around, it applies to every relationship in your life. I mean, it's not just one. It's every relationship in your life. And this is what he says in the next verse. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And this is what he says. He said, if you don't deal with it, you grieve the Holy Spirit. And later, guess what Paul would say? Do not go to sleep. When the sun sets, don't let it set on your anger or your wrath. Why? Because that anger, that wrath, that disappointment, that offense will spring into bitterness and it will just grow and grow and grow and grow and you'll harbor a grudge or a feeling or whatever it is. And this is what we've we got to do. We've got to take that by the power of Jesus Christ to the foot of the cross and say, I'm going to forgive this. I'm going to be kind about this because I don't need this kind of stuff in my relationship. And everybody needs to deal with that. I don't care who you are. And you say, well, I'm not married yet. I don't care what relationship it is. You and I have got to deal with that. I was reading this the other day and I thought, what is the most harmful thing that can be said in a relationship? And I thought maybe I knew some. But I read about a Harvard psychologist and said the worst thing that somebody can say in a relationship is this. I wish I had never met you. Wow. I wish I had never met you. Isn't that horrible? And, and maybe we've said that before. And if we have, how many of you know, we, we need to repent of that. we we got to get that right. And, and there's things that everybody, I think everybody, says in a relationship that you wish you could get it back. Would you agree? And what do we do? Well, we, we better come with our hat in our hand, our purse in our hand, or whatever, and say, you know, honey, um, I said that out of emotion. I said that out of spite. I, I said that out of this or that. And I need to make this right. You know, forgive me. I, I, I've got to make this right. I wish I'd never met you. That, that's, that's a horrible line to say in any relationship. Can, can I, in just the last few minutes, give you a little homework? How many of you know teachers give homework? Do you have a pencil, paper, or your phone? Could you jot some, some, just three things down this morning that maybe we could work on? Uh, number one is to show affection. How many of you would agree with me? We need to show affection in the relationship. And it could be either one. Maybe one's a little bit colder than the other. Maybe not as warm as the other. 
And it's kind of like the guy said, well, I love her, and if it changes, I'll tell her. Well, no. I mean, we need to let people know, you know, I care about you. I want to show affection to you. We, we can show affection in many different ways. We can show affection by serving one another, being faithful to one another, you know, saying things to one another, which leads me to number two, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Everybody here loves to hear words of affirmation. Now, this is what I do with Carrie, and, you know, it's no big secret. I, I say this to her every day, sometimes three or four times a day. Uh, have I told you today how beautiful you are? And she has the same answer every time. Have I told you how beautiful you are today? She said no. I may say it at 5 o'clock. Have I told you how beautiful you are today? No. May say it when we go to bed. Have I told you how beautiful you are today? No. You know what she wants? She wants me to say that <laughs> over and over and over. Like, okay, come on. You keep it coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. So, so we, we need to say, you know, not only just give words of affirmation, serving one another, you know, you're showing those things in our life. Because words matter. Words matter. And you think, well, I'm just not very good at that. We'll get better. That's a cop-out. I mean, that's just an excuse. Well, you may not be very good at it, but how many of you know you can get better? One of the ways you can get better is watch somebody who has a great marriage. Yeah. You, you can learn from people who have a great marriage. Listen, I, I'm going to say this, and I believe this with all my heart. Carrie and I have the best marriage that I know of. Uh, it's not perfect. But it's good. You know, we've been married this year, uh, it will be 50 years. And so in that relationship, do you say, well, y'all just started out just wonderful? Uh, not really. I mean, there's nobody I wanted to marry except her. She, she said the same thing to me, and I, I'm believing her. But uh, <laughs> we, we, we have a good marriage. But even after as long as we've been married, let me tell you, we're still trying to make it better. And if you're not trying to make it better, then shame on you. you. You should try to make it better. So you need to show affection, give words of affirmation, and also acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. So, so show those acts of kindness. Serve. Uh, do what you, know, you would want them to do with you. The golden rule that we talked about earlier. You see, if I'm the problem, listen to me very closely. If I'm the problem then I also can be the solution. I can be the solution. If I need some help in my relationship, guess what? I can change it. By the help of Almighty God, I can change that. He said, well, you know, I just don't want to show weakness. No, you're just showing dumbness, not weakness. Because you and I are called to serve one another, to love one another, show affection to one another, to have what our responsibility is in that relationship and in that marriage. And all of you who are not married, that maybe get married, these are things you need to take to heart, maybe put in your mind. So once you get ready to select somebody, it's not just a, I saw, it's not just an outward thing. How many know it's the whole package? It's the inward and the outward that we need. So this is what we started with. Let me close with what we started with. Jesus said, marriage is like the kingdom of God. And then he said, 
the kingdom of God is like a marriage. So it can either be heaven or it can be hell. And how many of you know the Lord wants you to be happy in your relationship? And we can be if we follow what he says in the word of God. I want you to bow your head with me just for a moment because I want to pray for you. Just ask a couple of questions. Just hang with us. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know him. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and on the third day he resurrected. He's victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The only way you and I are going to make heaven is through Jesus Christ. No other way you're going to get there. So I pray today, if you don't know him, you need to find me, Pastor Matt, or someone else here. We want to pray for you. We want to visit with you. We want to help you in your journey. Now for the rest of us, let's stand. Would you stand all over the house? And I'm going to ask every couple, every married couple, every single person that may get married one of these days, I want you to come and stand right here along the front. Come on, we want everybody to come. We're going to pray, and then we're going to leave. But I want to pray a blessing over you. If you're single, you think you're going to get married one day, come on up. Come up and stand with us. If you're a widow, if you're a widower, come up and stand with us. We could use your blessing today. Isn't this great? We got people still coming from the Cascade section. Everybody take a step forward. Not everybody's going to be able to get up here, but we're going to pack as many people up here as we can. My friends, I want you to have a happy life. The most famous sermon ever given that we have recorded is called the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody remember that? I think it starts in about Matthew chapter 5. And it begins this way, blessed are those that. Blessed are those that. Blessed are those that. Some translations, and it's really accurate, the blessed could be happy. Happy are those that. Happy are those that. So this is what I know. In your relationship, in my relationship, all of our relationships, if we do what Jesus said to do, there's happiness and there's blessedness. So your view of marriage and relationships should not come from your favorite movie star. It should not come from your favorite singer. It should not come from TikTok or YouTube. How many of you know your relationship values and vision should come from the Word of God. That's where it should come from. Why? You have a Father in Heaven that wants you and I to be happy, to be blessed. And if we do it His ways, if we do it His ways, we will be blessed and happy. And I'm a testimony of that. Everything perfect? No. Carrie still got some things she needs to do. <laughs> Everything great? No, I still got some things I need to do. But let me tell you, let's just keep getting better and better 
and better. Let me pray over you. Father, thank you for all of these people today. Thank you for every husband, every wife, every mom, and every dad. Thank you for all those who may in the future select a mate. Let it not just be outward appearance. Let it not just be sight. Let them not make the same mistakes that Samson made. But let there be values and virtues and foundations communication that factor into who I choose and who selects me even. So Lord, today as we leave, let us take a step a little bit higher to make our marriage a little bit better. And every day, let us just be blessed and happy as you move in our life. We ask it and pray it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. I love you. Have a great rest of the day. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.